My name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to episode number two of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, featuring my conversation with world-renowned teacher of shamanism, Sandra Ingerman. Shamanism is universal. The word shaman is from the Tungus tribe in Siberia, and it means one who sees in the dark. And we know the practice dates back over 100,000 years, and there isn't a practice that predates uh, shamanism. There's a difference between what you have to go through to become a shaman versus your work as a shamanic practitioner. So that's where I make a really clear distinction. The bottom line is all spiritual traditions for the beginning of time have been talking about multi-dimensions of reality that are parallel to this one. But we have a huge part of the culture, not just in America, all over the world, who is also believing stories that are keeping us divided. So through ceremony and through being a gardener of energy, the shaman's role is to transfer that new healed energy into the ordinary uh, realm so that now that replaces the old fabric of reality. So we're constantly weaving a new dream into being. In this episode, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Sandra Ingerman, an elder who I've admired for a very long time. Sandra has been teaching shamanic wisdom for close to 40 years. She's taught workshops internationally on shamanic journeying, healing, and reversing environmental pollution using spiritual methods. Sandra is also an award-winning author of 12 books, and I highly recommend two of her books in particular, Walking in Light and The Book of Ceremony, Shamanic Wisdom for Invoking the Sacred in Everyday Life. She's also written Soul Retrieval, Mending the Fragmented Self, and Medicine for the Earth. Sandra is just such a prolific creator and teacher. She also has eight audio programs produced by Sounds True. And just as a side note, I just can't mention Sounds True without mentioning how much I love that company. Tammy Simon is the founder of Sounds True, and she's just a total badass, and she's been one of my sheroes for a really long time. And Tammy hosts one of my all-time favorite podcasts that I've been listening to forever called Insights at the Edge, which I aspire to speak on one day. And I also aspire to be as good of an interviewer as she is because she's honestly just amazing. So I just finished listening to Sandra Ingerman's audiobook that Sounds True produced called Awakening to the Spirit World that she co-authored with Hank Wesselman, whose work I'm also a big fan of. And I also highly recommend any one of Sandra's audiobooks, which I'll have all the links to if you go to this episode's page on my website that you can find at livefreelauraD.com forward slash EP2 like episode two, but just EP two. She also has music albums out for shamanic journeying and I'll link to those as well. And while you're on my website, if you haven't yet received my eight hour music playlist for psychedelic journeys and beyond, or my free eight day microdosing course, you can swipe those on the freebies tab on my main page at livefreelauraD.com. 
Okay, so there was just so freaking much I loved about this conversation with Sandra. She brings such a grounded perspective to shamanic wisdom that I really just appreciate. Some of the big takeaways for me was that shamanism is universal and that all peoples from all over the world have ancestors from cultures who have practiced shamanism. And this has really been inspiring me to explore my own ancestry and learn more about Celtic shamanism. In this conversation, she discusses how shamanism has evolved over the last 100,000 years and how it wasn't really designed for our modern technological culture, yet we can still learn to incorporate shamanic practices into our lives that can help us tap into our highest potential. We talk quite a bit about our connection to the unseen realms, the dimensions of reality beyond which we can see, which is frankly my favorite topic of conversation, just in general. And I love to explore it from all angles, especially experientially with the help of my plant allies. Sandra also talks about the power of words, how words carry vibration that create our reality. She talks about how we can learn to become more disciplined in our daydreaming and the importance of that. She goes into the three worlds of shamanism and the difference between a shaman and a shamanic practitioner. And another strong theme to this talk was her emphasis on the importance of cultivating concentration and focus and how distracted we are as a culture. She mentioned social media a couple of times throughout this talk and how she feels like it's fueling ego and division and how shamanic practices, especially ceremony, can support spirit and connection. And I just love Sandra's passion for ceremony. And she talks about it in this talk. And also, of course, if you want to learn more practices that you can incorporate into the fabric of your everyday life, then I definitely recommend checking out her book, The Book of Ceremony. She also touches on how we can adopt shamanic practices into our lives. And she also speaks specifically to the people who are just getting worked these days. As we know, we're still dealing with this pandemic and just this greater transition that we're moving through on the planet. And it feels like many of us are being called to go into this cocoon of metamorphosis and let go of the past so that we can step into and birth something new. It's like the quintessential dark night of the soul. And a lot of people are going through that right now. So she also speaks to that and some practices that people can incorporate. And she also offers her perspective on the use of psychedelics and plant medicines as a shamanic practice, as well as her thoughts on cultural appropriation. Okay, and so just as a quick side note before we jump into this interview, I just want you guys to know that I'm recording this in my bungalow in Hawaii that's in front of a 20-foot-long bus that's converted into a tiny home. And so I am very much outdoors right now recording this. And so I hope that you can have some understanding that I don't have a recording studio and make space to welcome some of the sounds of nature, like the birds chirping around me right now and the occasional sounds of rain, and even the occasional lawnmower that happens that I can't control, and know that I'm really just doing the best that I can to bring a high-quality listening experience to you. And on that note, I'll be leaving this episode off with a song called Beautiful Bird by my two dear sisters, Annie Mae Willis and Aya Luz. And on the episode page with the show notes, 
livefreelauraD.com forward slash EP2. You can find their links to social media and other incredible music albums that they've created that I am just so stoked to share with you. All right, without any further ado, here is my interview with Sandra Ingerman. Wow, what a pleasure it is to have Sandra Ingerman on the show today. Thank you so much for taking the time. It is an honor to be dropping in with you. Yeah, thank you. It's really lovely to meet you, and I'm excited to get to know you during the show. I love the way that you frame shamanic wisdom and the shamanic path. I recently just finished the Book of Ceremony for the second time, just really touching my heart on just such a depth. So thank you for the work that you do. Oh, thank you. It's been uh, quite the long journey, but um, I just, uh, it's kind of like a destiny call and um, I love people. I love uh, the planet. I love nature beings. And so I'm really called to contribute in every way that I can. And um, so I'm really happy that people are interested in the work right now. Mm, and just even taking a snapshot at the past, you know, 40 plus years, are you amazed at just how much people are interested in shamanic practices? It seems like it's at really an all time high. Yeah, it is. There's there's pluses and minuses to all of this, as you can understand, because shamanism was never a practice to be made popular. Um, the word shaman itself is the Tungus word that comes from the Siberian tribes in Siberia. And it means one who sees in the dark, healer, one who knows, wise person. You know, there's... Depends on what anthropologist you talk to, you're going to get a wide range of uh, definitions. And so shamanism is universal. The word shaman is from the Tungus tribe in Siberia, but the practice is um, universal. And we know the practice dates back over 100,000 years. And because of how the earth changed, the land bridges, people... You know, people just kept moving. They had to. It's just like with climate change. People are going to have to keep moving. We're not dealing with new issues today. And that's why we try to get people to actually talk to our ancestors who already went through this and have all the breadcrumbs um, to give us. So this is very universal work. What I share is that probably every person on the planet has a relative who practice shamanism. And so the power of shamanism, and I think why it's been around for so long, because there isn't a practice that predates uh, shamanism, I think the reason why it's been around so long is that um, it changes the practice itself because it's so nature-based. Um, the practice itself changes by the times that we're living in, the needs that we're living in, the cultures that we're living in. And so... Um, 
what I've seen in 40 years is all these different cultures coming through. Because in the beginning, we were just a bunch of ex-hippies. <laughs> nobody nobody had books out. Um, Michael Harner had a book out. Joan Halifax had an amazing book out. Of course, Merce Iliadi's book out, um, which is the Encyclopedia of Shamanism. Um, those are out, but you had to be a certain kind of spirit of a particular generation. And, you know, we came together, we danced, we sang, sang, we made magic, we never slept, never went to bed. We just wanted to drum, dance, sing all the time. We went really, really deep and had amazing um, experiences, miraculous experiences of people getting healing. And then what started to happen is more and more people started getting interested in it. But from um, even a more surface understanding of what it was. And so they started seeing ads on TV for shaman shampoo and shaman soap and um and Hollywood was starting to get into shamanism and everybody started talking about power animals and what are your power animals and power animals are part of shamanism but that's not the only part so the part of our culture now really got stuck on just who's my power animal and what book can I look it up to tell me what my power animal is trying to tell me where shamanism is actually a practice of direct revelation where you work with divine spirits real divine spirits not just that appear in books real divine spirits that are aligning themselves with your divinity so that you embrace and become in love with each other as the divine and flood this incredible planet with beauty. Um, but all the practices that go with shamanism, which I know we're going to talk about, they take time. And the current generation um, wants everything really fast. Can I just take a workshop in an hour and get a certification certificate afterwards to say that I am now a shaman? People are sending me, it's really sad, people are sending me um, shamanic certificate programs with my name on it, um, mm -hmm. that my work is part of the program and I don't promote online shamanic um, training that and healing because we can hurt too many clients. So ethics is a really big thing for me. So this is a very long-winded answer to your question. I'm sorry, because 40 years is a long time. And we went from hippies doing magic, really doing the best of direct revelation and all kinds of initiation experiences and now we just have this such diverse population coming in, people who are ready, I'm ready to go deep, and they do. And then we have people going, well, I heard the word shaman, and it sounds like a good profession, so I'm going to sign up for the workshop and see what it is. 
And then we have people who didn't know that that they were going to have to do their own personal work. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought that everything was just given. So it's an interesting culture to bring shamanism in because shamanism wasn't designed for a modern day technological culture. Mm. That's so interesting. And I'd love to actually touch on that. But first, I think just to go a little bit deeper into what really makes a shaman a shaman, you say it's one who sees in the dark. A shaman is an inspired visionary. You talk about a shaman being someone who has one foot in this realm and one foot in the invisible realm. I love that you talk so much about these invisible realms. Can we go a little bit deeper into that specifically? Absolutely. So shamanism is this really uh, widespread practice. Um, it's not as limited as, as everybody thinks it has. And so it has these beautiful elements to the work, which attracts so many people. That's why we all love to do it. The work, the practices, the ceremonies are amazing. So a shaman is a person who was destined Back in the old-time shamanic days, uh, a person who went through terrible tragedy, terrible illness, had a near-death experience where initiation after initiation, they have to find a way to stand up and heal themselves and then become the healer for their whole entire community. And so the shaman did Um, the spiritual work for the community. The shaman was the healer. The shaman was the diviner. The shaman was the person who helped out with psychological problems. You know, the shaman had so many roles in shamanic communities. And then the people um, lived a shamanic way of life supporting the shaman at the same time. And what I mean by a shamanic way of life is that, number one, when children are born, they're so welcomed into the world, given a name, recognized for the amazing gift they're bringing to this organism. I mean, their community is an organism. It all works together. So the community is so happy when a a child enters into the community because now they have a strength they didn't have before this child came. And they teach uh, children that words are power and how you create, how you actually create form is through words. So children from a very young age are taught about the vibration that goes up with your words and how that manifests down into form. Now, almost every um, spiritual tradition teaches this. Um, I just teach it from the shamanic point of view because words are everything. Um, I was doing a lecture on power of words at a conference in uh, Colorado ages ago, past life ago. And um, there was um, a Navajo elder who sat in the back listening to my talk and she came up to me afterwards and she said, may I sit down and talk to you? And I said, of course. 
And so we started talking together and sharing together. And one of the things she said to me was, do you know what may you walk in beauty means? And I said, no, I don't. And she said, may you walk in beauty means that when you talk to another human being, you only say beauty to them. You only say words that will invoke beauty in them. Because every tradition knows, every tradition knows that as soon as you open your mouth, a vibration comes up and actually manifests down in the form. The same thing happens with your thoughts. You're thinking, thinking, thinking all the worst things that are going to happen. Where is your train of thought leading you to? So in shamanic cultures, children are taught how to work with their thoughts so that they express when they're angry and when they're sad, um, but that what they're feeding their community with, what they're feeding the energetic collective with is love and light because they were taught how to transmute the energy of anger and sadness and all that goes with it. And then, of course, daydreams is a huge uh, topic in shamanic communities because they believe we're dreaming the wrong dream. And they would love for us to learn how to dream better because think about what you're daydreaming about while you're sitting on the bus, on the train, um, you know, at, at work. If you actually look at what you're daydreaming, there's no question why the world is where it is because we're, we're not disciplined in our daydreams of putting out animals living in harmony, people loving each other and sharing their wealth and taking care of each other and the climate. That's not what people dream about during the day. People dream about how bad it's going to be. So these skills are learned very early on in a shamanic culture with everybody living there. And then there were a lot of initiations that um, happened, which I can talk about in a bit. So there was a separation between who was the shaman and the, the shamanic community, as you asked the question. Um, and um, the definition of a shaman is a shaman is a man or woman who goes into an altered state of consciousness, typically by using some form of percussion, bells, bowls, rattles, singing, dancing, didgeridoo, click sticks. And that shaman, the, the sound starts to allow the shaman's brain to slow down. And in that state, the shaman's soul is a, 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 can rise up and be free to now travel into what we call the unseen realm. So there's lots of words for that. There's non-ordinary reality. There's the unseen realms. There's the hidden realms. Um, the Celtic people called it the other world. 
Um, the Australian Aborigines called it the dream time. So, you know, everybody had a, a name for this special territory that was inhabited by um, gods and goddesses and ancestors and divine beings who just were looking down at earth and saying, how can we help? How can we volunteer right now? And so in shamanism, there are what are called three worlds, uh, the lower world, the middle world, the upper world. And in the lower world is beautiful nature, animal spirits, all the nature beings that you can imagine. And that's a transcendent divine realm too. And people travel to the lower world and meet up with power animals and go on fascinating adventures and evolve and learn and heal. And then the middle world is non-ordinary reality to hear. So people who like to sit and talk to trees, that would be more middle world work, you know, where they go out and relate to a tree here. And then what's called the upper world is a place for also power animal spirits could live anywhere they want, but mostly inhabited by what we call teachers in human realm who are gods and goddesses, ancestors, um, beings who know, mystics, old gurus, old teachers. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving out some, but there's such a wealth. It's unbelievable who you can discover out there. And what the shaman does when he or she goes into that altered state of consciousness they have one of those spirits in the three worlds that's connected by the world tree. So the roots go down to the lower world and then the middle represents um, the earthly realm. And then the branches uh, represent the upper world. And um, shamans fly up the branches to the upper world to meet the spirits and travel down the roots to meet um, other spirits in the lower world. So it's a very simple system and complex at the same time. But in the evolution of consciousness, what's happened is we went from small groups of people in the 1980s who said, I want to learn this process of direct revelation. And they did. And that grew exponentially to now we have tens of thousands of practitioners of sh shamanism, but they're not shamans. There's a difference between what you have to go through to become a shaman versus your work as a shamanic practitioner. So that's where I make a really clear distinction. Mm, thank you for making that distinction. I appreciate that. And it seems like when you're on the shamanic path and you're learning to open your perceptual field of awareness, that one of the things that we're gaining is, is more of an understanding between the fluidity between this reality and the unseen realm. I'm just so curious about how we can go into the invisible realm to influence and catalyze change. And is that a more effective way? Like when we go in and hold a specific vibrational frequency of prayer, can we understand that we are that, that we are the elements, that we're not separate from it? And 
can these experiences of of really experientially knowing that there is an unseen realm, can that catalyze and influence our capacity to influence change on this planet? Yeah, it, it does for a lot of people. A lot of people wake up. And that's what we're saying now is a, a lot of people waking up um, so that it can catalyze change for people to start raising up. What my work has been uh, really focused on is that people have to make a choice because the bottom line is all spiritual traditions for the beginning of time have been talking about multi-dimensions of reality that are parallel to this one. But we have a huge part of the culture, not just in America, all over the world, who is also believing um, stories that are keeping us as divided, you know, as, as we possibly can be. And that's a real problem. So I'll tell you my tact on this is... Because I work with the Egyptian goddess Isis, and Isis brings through constantly, constantly. She's always bringing this through. Do not get stuck in the level of suffering. There are other dimensions that you can step into. There are dimensions where there are actually evolved souls who are meditating all the time and just shining love on the earth right now. So we have a choice which dimension we live in. And um, so we have the possibility to shut down to all the news um, that's going on and 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 that's a really important thing to understand. I think social media is is actually feeding all the division. And it's mm. impossible to talk to the people on social media. It's all egos. It's all egos expressing themselves and shamanism is all spirit expressing itself. So like if a shamanic practitioner says to me, I think we don't work like that in shamanism. It's you're only a vessel for your helping spirit. So what did your helping spirit say? I don't care what you think. I want to know what your helping spirit says. That's your that's your role. So what happens is, is that as people stay on the path, some people really need the distraction and they can't stay focused and they can't stay concentrated. And then there are people who go, and this happened in another one of my courses, my God, I haven't listened to the news in three days, but you wouldn't believe how many more animals are coming up to my lawn since I started talking to them. And the tree on the right started a call to me and wanted to share with me some of its story and its history. So if you can follow me on this one, you can see how people are making a consciousness choice to focus on the dimension where they're getting connection with nature. And that's so feeding 
that you don't want to go back into all the drama of the news, what's going on, that has nothing to do about not being compassionate or ignorant. It's about not staying all, all up all night worrying about everybody who's suffering. So we have choices of which world we want to work walk in, the, the mm -hmm. world of suffering, or if we want to work walk into the world of nature, or if we want to find a way to meet with those ascended meditators who are meditating 24-7, millions of them around the world. So there's different dimensions we can step into. Right. And, it's, and it also sounds like in this plethora of just information coming at us, I mean, so much data that we're being exposed to in any given moment that it seems like the practice is really making a conscious choice where we shine our light of awareness and bringing intention to that and really choosing that as a as a cultivation of a practice almost in and of itself. Yes. It almost seems like that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So I just taught a course called The Dark Night of the Soul Leads to the Light of the Shaman. Because I, I really wanted to give people my roadmap through the darkness, because this is my my life has been through walking through the dark night of the soul. And I feel I developed an amazing roadmap to help people um, get through. One of the very first um, uh, uh, exercises I taught in my course was how to um, how to recognize trickster energy. Because when you're in the dark night of the soul and when you're in such a confusing time as this, there are people coming out from everywhere. I have the real story. No, I have the real story. I have the magic bomb that's going to heal you. No, don't listen to them. This drug is going to help you not get the illness. This drug is going to make you sick. And we're being flooded by this, flooded 24-7. It doesn't go away. I actually read a new label that they're putting in the, the DSM, which is where you get your label score for psychological, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> psychological issues. And people can't put their cell phones down for two minutes without starting mm -hmm. to feel all the issues of, of addiction. So then you, you open up your social media because that's what you have to do. And that's where your addictions are leading you to. And you've got five people telling you, this is a lie. This is a lie. This is a lie. So what we all have to do, because I see it, it's only going to get worse, is that we have to learn the difference between our trickster, the tricksters that show up, and our allies. And how, how you do that is by you have to really start to focus on doing exercises that increase the power of your intuition. And it's just that clear. Because your intuition will not let you step into trickster energy. It's going to say, wait, <laughs> you're going the wrong way. But your ego, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Ooh, maybe that conspiracy theory is right. I don't know. Um, you know what's happening for mm -hmm. people today. They're losing their minds. And mm -hmm. so I, my own personal opinion is it's being seeded by social media 
my own personal opinion is that if we want to make any forward progress, we have to get off social media and start working in communities and start working together. Um, That's Mm. just really important to me. And this is a time where everybody has to learn how to fire up their intuition because um, who who are you going to trust? Who who exists on the planet right now that you can trust except for yourself? Who exists? So learn how to trust yourself and learn how to um, get the signals inside of you when you're feeling, ooh, no, that's not the right decision or... Ooh, I feel expansive. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I, I, can, I can hear that. I can take that in. Or, or you're taking an you're taking an omen walk outside, and you go, is that piece of news um, uh, fake or or real? And a branch falls off a tree right in front of you. I would take that as an omen. <laughs> so, so you're really just training your mind to pay attention in a distinct way. Yeah. That seems like what you're saying. Yeah. So in your audiobook Awakening to the Spirit World that you co-authored with Hank Wesselman, mm-hmm. you talk about how you can use the practice of shamanism to live your life from the highest potential. You say in this way we can truly walk the path of a shaman who works with the forces of the universe to create positive change on the planet. And so you're already alluding to this, practices that we we need to cultivate and develop emphasizing the importance of cultivating our intuition. So I'm curious, like, what are some of the keys from shamanic wisdom that we can start applying in our lives immediately to help catalyze change? I hear, you know, getting off of social media, that's a really practical, implementable tip in the nowness of life. What are some other ways that we can really bring shamanic practices into our lives, the importance of ceremony, especially in this time, you know, that we're we're still in it with the pandemic um, any any other practical tips that are helpful? Sure, I have forty years of them, so I can I'll give a few. So um, intuition is important, as as we shared, and intuition comes from um, trusting your body signals. And so when I teach shamanism, I talk about how people are clairvoyant and or clairaudient and or clairsentient. Claire audience is those people who see those visions. Claire audience is me. I hear everything. I'm hearing. I'm hearing uh, spirits talking in the other room. I'm hearing everything. So, the information I trust when I hear the voice of my spirits and their vocabulary, because they speak differently from me and others. I know that they're there. So there's, you know, there's my intuition. Clairsentience, I'm also clairsentient. And I believe clairsentience is actually the highest, the, the best sense that you want to be the most sensitive in. Everybody in this culture, I want to see, I want to watch the movies. <laughs> I want to see the visions. But when your body starts to know in your gut, in your bones, in your cells, and it's telling you that that is that's direct. It doesn't get more direct than that. 
And so everybody has these different senses. And so it's learning how when you start to go into nature or when you start to do your work, that the the helping spirits who really want to volunteer themselves right now are going to be speaking to you either by showing you something or um, by you hearing something or by you feeling something. And again, you know, you really want to open up your senses. Otherwise, people start to judge the experience. And in our book, we give different tools, like if your mind kicks in, if your ego kicks in, if you say, what if I'm making all of this up? I truly believe I've brought through different lines in this last year that shamans are gardeners of energy and that that's really all they do. They're they're gardeners of energy. What they're doing is, is they're traveling up into the unseen realms, working with the divine spirits to weave. Shamans are weavers and you see that in different cultures. And So the shamans with the divine beings are weaving the new fabric of reality that's going to replace the one that's dismembering now. So through ceremony and through being a gardener of energy, the shaman's role is to transfer that new healed energy into the ordinary uh, realm so that now that replaces the old fabric of reality. So we're constantly weaving a new dream into being. And um, for me, because ceremony is the main part of my life, um, uh, ceremony is the shaman's vehicle of change. That's how the shaman creates change. So in shamanism, we're not connected to nature. We are nature. So we're not connected. It's not like a human being is going to go out and meet a tree. The tree is part of our family. Um, It's not separate from us. And we've forgotten that. And that's why we're in the trouble that we're in right now. It's obvious and we don't have to go there. And so, um, you know, it's just been a really important practice for shamans and shamanic people throughout time. I tell people to go up to a nature being at their home and say, may I step into your field of energy? So you ask for permission. You just don't run and hug a tree. And you sit down with a plant and you ask it about, its healing powers, how long has it been here, uh, what's its history, get to know it. And then before you know it, before you know it, you're talking to a plant, another species, because this word is being used a lot right now, but humans are species lonely. They are. And so you sit and you talk to a plant, you sit and you talk to a tree, you learn about how that tree took care of a tree that was dying years ago. So you actually develop this real relationship. And my feeling is, I've really seen this strongly, is when we fall in love with nature, fall in love with nature, romantic love, you know, 
um, that unconditional love, you know, of a baby, of your greatest loved one. And um, when we fall unconditionally in love with nature, nature will help us out. You know, um, there's a story about a Native American woman who was in love with water and the water was going to flood her village. And she was so in love with water. She went out, she sang with it, and she talked to it. And the water came through, but it didn't take out the homes that it was headed for. So where my issues come up is when the global community sees a gigantic fire in the Amazon or Australia or California or somewhere else or earthquakes, because the elements were the first beings to be here on the earth. The earth is 4.6 billion years old. The wind was the very first being, very, very first being to enter the earth. Water's been here billions of years. The sun has been here forever. And so here's this group of practitioners. They've been studying for two days and they start posting on Facebook, let's command and force um, the wind or the rain. And I'm going, wait a second, where is honor and respect? And so that's one of the things that's missing out of the modern day practices that indigenous people really knew well, is that these are life forms. Everything is a life form. The wind is a life form. The earth is a life form. The sun is a life form. The moon, the stars, um, the waters of the world are life forms. And we need to put in practices of honor, respect, and showing kindness. And my students who are showing kindness to insects, birds, rodents that are coming up to their homes right now and birds, all of a sudden the message is going out in the community and they're having amazing experiences with animals. But I know I've given a lot in this list and and there's a lot more to give, but um, what I want to say is the missing piece of why this doesn't create all the same results as we used to get is people today, we're so distracted and we mm. don't have the concentration and focus. And every spiritual master has been telling us throughout time that we must have concentration and focus. Mm -hmm. Do you think a good way to cultivate that is through meditation practice? Yeah, definitely. Um, anything where you um, cut out distractions. And so if you do a ceremony, like I love sharing ceremonies. I lead guided ceremonies. I lead ceremonies at retreat centers and communities. I led a retreat uh, um, a ceremony in a hospital. There's a lot of work to be done. People just want to go in and do it. I'm in a rush. I'm in between um, dinner and. But in shamanism, we do a lot of preparation to make sure that your humanness got lifted out of yourself and stepped aside so that the divine in you, I'm trying to find a way to show a strong link, 
that there's just one link between the divine in you and the divine above. What happens is people come in distracted and there's so many weak links that the message doesn't get up to the creative forces of the universe because people were too distracted. And so, you know, we weren't really doing our work. But I can tell you, I can tell you one of the reasons I'm such a... um, I'm so devoted to ceremony and and I get my students devoted to ceremony is it brings you back to such a place of center, such a place of groundedness and connection with the elements and the spirits of nature. It really takes you into a holy place and with the world that we're in right now to be able to enter into a holy space and to actually say to the universe, please take my pain, please take my illness. And you do a ceremony, you have tons of ceremonies Um, or um, please take my prayers that harmony return to the earth again, back to the creative universe So ceremonies have been done throughout time to welcome children into the world. Every single time somebody makes a change in life, any change, getting a new job, a new boyfriend, girlfriend, driver's license, graduating school, um, getting married, having a baby. But then those those losses, I lost my job, um, I got divorced, I haven't been feeling well. The losses that are part of life, it's what we've been dealt, the hand that, that we're dealt in life, oftentimes is not that easy. And so we could do, we can perform ceremonies to ask the spirits to work with us, to help to allay some of the uh, more negative um, energy and side effects that are really starting to hit us to help us enter into flow. Because I find that once you enter into flow, magic just happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, magic just happens. Everything everything works. Mm -hmm. And so you could do ceremonies to get back into flow flow again I've, I've entered out of flow and and you can ask for the health of your family and I one ceremony I love to do is where I make um I I do all these invocations to a juniper tree where I live and um in Central Asia they have what are called prayer trees where um the indigenous people and the shaman, they cut ribbons with prayers for themselves and others, and they tie them very loosely on the branches because you want the branch to be able to keep growing. And it's so that the prayer, the energy of the prayer is taken up by the wind to the creative forces of the universe. And, um, I got really into prayer trees and with my groups, we started creating some here. Of course, I have a prayer tree at my house. And um, then I started to find out as I kept teaching that they're from all over the world. In Italy, they call them wishing trees and Turkey blessing trees and South America, I can't remember the names, but 
prayer blessing wishing trees literally Mm. are all over the world. Mm, That's beautiful. One of the things that I love that you're talking about is, and as you talk about distraction, it's like the mind and the body are not in alignment in these moments of just like mind all over the place. And you're talking about the flow state. And to me, this is just like these practices of taking care of our body, taking care of our physical body, our emotional bodies, our minds to really come all together in one place in this place of like real central alignment. That's where that channel of flow opens, where I feel like we can really connect to divinity from that place. And I love that you're, you're really pointing to that, the sense you even held your hand up to show this like vertical alignment. And I, I get that message so much too around, you know, even just being in integrity is a way that we're in alignment. You know, being mindful of our words is a way that we can be in alignment. And so there's all these ways that we can really focus the mind. So I I want to ask you about this initiation of this pandemic that many millions of people are going through. You talk about the shamanic path actually as a path that involves, you know, initiations. And you're also, you also mentioned the dark night of the soul. And I definitely see this moment in time as the era of reinvention. And a lot of people are just like going into the darkness of the cocoon and we have to let something die you know, uh, in order to allow something to come through. And so I'm curious, like, can you offer a snippet of a practice? Maybe it's a fire burning practice that someone can do who's in it right now, who's in the cocoon, who's in the dark space, who needs, you know, throw me a lifeline of hope right now. Yeah, I, I've done really long talks on, um, on the pandemic from a shamanic point of view and just, the negative intrusions, you know, I was talking about thought forms and shamanism, there's a difference between expressing and sending. And so uh, we know about psychic war, but we don't realize we're doing it all the time. And we're just doing it to us. Because let's say, I'm really angry about something going on out there, and I send it to a political leader, it ends up coming back to me. And my favorite granddaughter i don't have one but you get the point because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we're in oneness so shamans try to to teach don't send don't start shooting the psychic bullets learn how to come back see that you're triggered it's not about that you're not right and this is not okay i'm angry and i have a i had a reason to be right and angry and embrace it let let it discharge from your body so you don't get sick from it and then you can uh, build a fire or you can you know right now fire danger is is pretty high i love this uh paper that you can get from an organization called science bob it's called dissolving paper Mm. and it's completely completely environmentally saved the compost completely and the papers that you know eight by five and i just take squares and so i'll write angry towards and i'll leave out the name and i put it in warm water in a bowl i write it on my dissolving paper and it just dissolves and i go outside and and give it to the earth it's amazing how it works 
with fire, if you could do something with fire, it would be to build a really small fire, or you can build something in your house really small. In um, uh, the U.S., we're moving into winter, so you know people are are building a few more uh, fires at their house. And how I work is I'll take a stick from outside. And then again, I really get into focusing and concentration. For me, everything is focus and concentration. Did you throw nothing into the fire or did you actually get it in? Hmm. So I'm a spinner. I spin um, fiber into Hmm. yarn. So I actually imagine myself spinning out of my body this hate, this anger, this illness, whatever I need to get rid of, into a piece of brightly colored yarn. You know, I just get my yarn from a regular place if I haven't spun it myself. And I wrap it on a stick and I get really, really still, really prayerful, 100% focus, 100% attention. You miss and start thinking about social media, you broke it. You broke the link. There is no link. So um, 100% focus and tension, you put that stick in, that fire will take that anger away from you. But it might leave an opening, oh, this is something I still need to do personal work with. So the beauty of ceremonies, fire ceremonies, releasing ceremonies, or blessing ceremonies, I call blessing ceremonies when we're trying to call down the goodness of life for ourselves. Um, So those kinds of ceremonies, um, you can do anywhere. You can do them inside, you can do them outside. I encourage people to do them physically. But if weather doesn't permit or you're not feeling well, you don't have the health to be able to go outside and do your ceremony, what I I suggest is just put on some really nice spiritual music without any words and lie down and imagine yourself going into a beautiful place in nature and doing the ceremony. I'm doing this online with my groups right now because I can't take people to outdoor ceremonies and they work incredibly well. So mm-hmm. I really hope that you'll try it. And remember, mm-hmm. ceremonies are the shaman's vehicle for change. Mm-hmm. They do work, but not always in our own timing. And mm-hmm. that's the that's what we have to understand. <laughs> what do you think this time is really, truly calling of us? You know, I I believe it's it's calling us back to ourselves, to our soul, back to that we came here as caretakers for the earth um, to understand about being an unconditional, loving spirit that took a body. You know, because we're all spirits. You're you're a spirit. I'm <laughs> a spirit. Everybody listening is a spirit. So I have an ego, a body, as you do. You put your ego aside, you do some spiritual work, you put your body aside. What's in you is just starlight. You are just a walking star. So I teach people how to work with light by imagining 
one of their favorite stars or one of the brightest stars growing, growing, growing in your solar plexus and then absorbing it into every single cell of your body, every cell of your body like a dry sponge takes in that light and then let it just radiate out like a star. A star doesn't send, a star doesn't try, a star doesn't get tired. It just shines. And just shine. And what that does is it pushes the negativity out of the collective because what happened for us was everything became ego and, and mind um, makes sense. We moved into a fear, fear space. And so we stopped seeing ourselves as spiritual beings who came in here knowing we were coming in for this time and that we were actually born with the tools that know, know how, to, how to get through this. And so in shamanism, there's a, a we don't label, label or for insurance purposes, but one of the forms of illness that we work with is what's called a spiritual intrusion. And it goes back to what I was talking about, sending. So you have billions of people in the world sending. I don't know billions of people are sending. I'm walking down the street. They're just coming into me, giving me cancer, um, stomach issues, shoulder issues, neck issues, or a friend is mad at me and she doesn't understand the power of shamanism and sends me a psychic dart. Um, and so one of the jobs of a shaman is to see what got sent to a client that's causing something localized in the body, uh, emotionally, spiritually, or physically. And then the shaman pulls that out, extracts that. To me, that's what happened uh, with the COVID. Um, uh, the, the, from the fires in the Amazon, the fires in um, Australia, all the climatic events, the children being separated from their mothers and, and here um, being separated down in Mexico, all the political things that were going on. I mean, think about all of that. Think about how much negative intrusion built up that's in our collective right now that we're part of. We're, we're feeding it um, and we're also absorbing it. So I don't know if you've noticed, but people aren't feeling really good right now. There's a lot of um, illness, right? There a lot of mysterious illnesses going on right now. We have to clean up the collective. Besides the earth, we have to clean up the collective. Can you learn to protect yourself from these negative energies if someone's like throwing you a dart, as you, as you call it? Can we like create a field around ourselves? Yes. Um, Isis said to me uh, one time when I was psychically attacked really badly back in the 90s, she said to me, just say no. <laughs> just say no. <laughs> so if you feel something coming at you unusual, just say no. If you feel like something actually got to you, got in, 
she gave me the metaphor of packing the energy up in a package and writing the person's name, even if you don't know it, you know, just using your imagination and placing return to sender and, and just mm-hmm. shipping it off. But she said, return to sender with love because whatever energy mm-hmm. you send is going to be sent back to you. And then she taught, and then I learned about um, protecting myself in a blue, uh, translucent blue egg, which I've written in every single book I've ever written. I've written about the translucent blue egg, which I learned from a Chumash medicine woman uh, in California back in the 80s. And some of my students don't relate to blue, so I talked to them about um, pink bubbles and find the color that you like. For me right now, um, I am dealing with health issues and my health issues are coming from a lot of Zoom and a lot of how public I'm being right now. And I've realized I have to step up my own protection. Everything Mm -hmm. that's been working for me for 40 years is starting to not be strong enough. So, um, creating um, building a non-ordinary reality for especially my sleep time <clears throat> a little nice cushioned um not a cave but something I could just kind of put over me that has a spiritual bubble mm-hmm. over it and keeps me safe at, at night mm-hmm. um I appreciate that. What came through for me in ceremony was golden light. I have this golden uh, bubble that I put around myself and the medicine was just really clear that it was golden. So it was just like radiating golden light, this force field that's also like an egg around me. And I felt like that's been really, really effective for protection. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have a couple more questions. Um, I'm curious, you know, there are so many ways to access altered states of consciousness and the unseen dimensions. And right now it's hard to ignore that psychedelics and sacred plant medicines are just exploding on the scene. People are just, there's so much interest. There's so much desire for people to have these altered states of conscious experiences. What's your perspective on what's the sort of macro view on what's unfolding right now in our culture? If you just want to speak to that. Yeah. The macro view is very multi-leveled. The issue with psychedelic plants is a really multi-leveled issue. It's really interesting because I started taking plant spirit medicine when I was 13 years old, but I grew up in the 60s and I'm a licensed psychotherapist. And there was a time with my license when I could legally do ecstasy with my clients. So so I've been watching this, you know, I have friends who are really big in the field and what we're, we're all observing the same thing. Nobody's mm-hmm. observing anything different. Again, you have a culture who's not trained in a particular culture way going to work with medicine that they haven't learned the language of yet. You know, it took the people... Um, in the jungles, thousands of years to learn the language. They oftentimes don't do the diet. They oftentimes end up with a shaman who um, 
you know, he just got a costume from store and put it on. This is what's happening all over the world. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go, you're getting shamans who are just dressing up and meeting planes of Westerners and saying, I'm a shaman. So if they don't know the diet, if they weren't really initiated into the path, um, there's a very good possibility that you're going to get into trouble. And that's what's happening is shamans know the flow of the songs. They know the people. They've gotten to know them. They put them on a diet. You know, there's been a lot of... As I talk about ceremony, this is a big ceremony, lots of preparation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are not doing that. The other thing that's really clear with plants is the plants show you the possibilities. They'll show you, like if we all took ayahuasca today, we could have this massive experience of how gorgeous the earth is. There's not a problem anywhere. Everything is gorgeous. And we don't have to worry about a thing. We don't have to worry about global warming. We don't have to worry about the pandemic. Oh, it's all an illusion. And then we come down from this experience and a couple of days later, it's going, what? No, I don't know how to, there's no step A, B, C. How, how do I do the path, you know? So what happens is people just end up more confused. They saw these glorious visions of what possible, but that's possible in the future. We haven't manifested them here yet. So I personally have found the drumming to be more grounding for a modern Western culture and um, it's it's not just more grounding, it's very practical. Um, you know, my students get tomorrow, change your altar. Not tomorrow, go out and start a commune, um, you know, mm -hmm. that you might see on Iowa. You know, so there's a difference of the practicality. And on the other side of it, plant medicine is a doorway that <laughs> it can heal you. It can, it can move you into places of evolution you didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many different levels mm -hmm. to this. It's so multidimensional. I'm curious if you hold the same opinion around psilocybin, because I do think it's actually really good that people work with plants locally. And now you can grow, you know, mushrooms in your backyard. It's pretty easy. And spores are native to all parts of the planet. Does your, your feeling about, um, yeah, working with plants in that way, does that apply to psilocybin as well? Because you're, I feel like you're really referring to ayahuasca and like going down to the jungle. And I think that that is actually a really big issue. Um, yeah. What's your feeling on, on psilocybin? Uh, so I love psilocybin. <laughs> I have an whole altar of it. Psilocybin, you know, is the new upcoming um medicine and it's it's a plant it's a happy plant and and psilocybin told me um 
uh, when was it, 30 something years ago, if you need me, we are your ally. You come to us. We will fix you. You come to us. We will fix you. They're little door openers. The, the research on how they're helping people with depression right now, it's, it's staggering. It's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think integration, which you're pointing to, you know, is really essential. You know, what what yeah. is next? And in a lot of your teachings actually, to me, feel very applicable to the path of integration. And mm-hmm. what you were speaking to actually is kind of the segue into my one of my last questions, which is around this notion. And you make it really clear in your writing that shamanism is traced back to being one of the first spiritual traditions. But we're living in this really interesting moment of time where perhaps in order for us to find equilibrium, things are swinging in polarized directions. And I know people who will straight up tell you, you can't use the word shaman or shamanism because you're white and that's not okay. And you don't have indigenous blood and therefore you need a shamanic teacher from an indigenous culture who carries a shamanic lineage. How do you respond to to that? Yeah, well, I've had a lot of time to practice that response because uh, this issue started being brought up 40 years ago. So from my side, the communities that I've worked with, we've actually sat down and talked. What's happening now is just, it's just screaming on social media. I don't know what's going on in social media. It's, It's ugly. It's not right. It's disrespectful to all indigenous people around the world. It's disrespectful to the earth. It's disrespectful to everybody, the screaming that's going on right now. We sat down, we had real conversations. My clients were all uh, Lakota Sioux, Crow, and Pueblo people from New Mexico. A lot of the Native American communities, the shamans that don't know how to do soul retrievals anymore. They don't know how to do some of the work. And so they found out about me and they were caravaning down to my house. I've lectured at Hopi. I've lectured at other um, uh, Pueblos. And nobody's ever said to me, um, sometimes before I go to a Pueblo, I just make sure everybody understands I'm white because sometimes when people look at my picture, some natives mistake me for an Indian. And I say, I just need to let you know I'm a white woman coming. Do you still want me to come? I understand if you don't. I I don't drag out my drum and start Mm -hmm. drumming. I start talking about bridging modern day shamanism the issue is we're all indigenous to this planet nobody owns anything so what i keep teaching and i've been teaching this for 40 years is we're imaginative people we don't have to go into a native community and stale a dance or stale a ritual and bring it back into our workshops we work with direct revelation Work with your spirits. Come up with a ceremony. Not one indigenous person has ever heard of on the planet and perform it. It's yours. It came from your direct revelation. 
you know, so there's a difference between writing copious notes at a shamanic ceremony and reading them. They have no power whatsoever. You're just trying to fake something you saw. Um, learn about the bones. Um, sorry to mention my book, The Book of Ceremony. Learn about the bones of ceremony and create different ceremonies and learn how much joy and bliss it brings you to perform a ceremony. Ceremonies can take one second. I can go outside and break a stick and break my connection with somebody who's unhealthy in my life. I'm not asking you to devote the rest of your life to hard work. I'm talking simple ceremonies I like to share with people but don't take from other cultures. Don't take from other cultures. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, this could all branch out into the, the um, unethical behavior of the West towards sacred tools. Mm -hmm. um, millions and millions and millions of animals are being killed only for their skins and feathers mm -hmm. because so many tens of thousands of shamanic practitioners are buying sacred tools. Mm -hmm. They have to keep up. Wow. So that's what I more focus on is trying to, so yeah, I'm white. And all my workshops are very mixed. Um, I, I work with a mixed community. I say, do you know where your drum skin came from? Do you know where that, that feather on your rattle? So I really, my heart, I, I don't have words for what happened to indigenous people in this culture. I, I don't. My heart hurts too much around this whole issue. Um, it's a term that's been around for a really long time and is universal. The issue is every tribe should be honored and respected and their mm -hmm. practices not taken unless you have been given permission to share mm -hmm. them. And I think that's really, that's how it started uh, now social media is just blowing it up into anything, but that's that's how it started, and that was a real reason. I mean, mm -hmm. I went around and saying this isn't right. Mm -hmm. We should be honoring um, what our elders are, are asking of us. When we opened up this conversation, you mentioned so many different traditional cultures who worked with shamanic practices and that almost all of us have some connection to a lineage of our own ancestry. And so it seems like that is a good place to start cultivating, learning from those direct ancestors that we do have access to in the unseen dimension and cultivating that connection right there seems to be like a also another good place to start. Absolutely. No, mm -hmm. that's brilliant. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love it. If you could plant one seed of belief in the minds and hearts of humanity right now, especially, what do you think that would be? Because um, I got this last night, <laughs> I'm going to bring it through. Fall in love with the divine. Fall back in love with the divine. We've fallen out of love with the divine. Think about source who brought you here at unconditional love. 
open your arms, see that bright light, reach for it, watch how it reaches for you. And put your hands and legs out so you're standing like a star and say, I am a divine being. I am a holy one. That came to me last night, so I'll share it with you. Mm, Thank you so much. In closing, I would love to just invite you to share what you're working on, what you're most excited about, where people can find you, and any upcoming books or programs that you'd love to tell people about. Well, I have 12 books out there and they're all my babies, but the Book of Ceremony and Walking in Light, which is my last two, um, they're really uh, all my work condensed into two books with so many tools. And you can find them at any bookstore or on my website, SandraIngerman.com. On my website, I have lots of free articles about shamanism. They're really short, so you can read them real easily. I write a monthly column called the Transmutation News. And um, I haven't missed a month in uh, since 2000, believe it or not. Wow. And wow. I just started a project. We're starting a project on the winter solstice where I am going to record either a journey or ceremony for us to do monthly. And we started a Facebook page uh, called Shamans or Gardeners of Energy. So you could look at my website that gives that um, and the transmutation news section under November. Um, look at that and you'll see the trick question to get into the Facebook page. So you have to be on my email list just to let you know. And then I've trained hundreds of amazing practitioners and teachers all over the world. All of us who can teach physically are but right now the whole world is shutting down so I I don't think you'll be able to um, find many workshops there are just a few going on in Europe I love teaching online but it's been a long online journey for me and I want to hold hands and dance and sing and laugh and eat with people again and walk outside so as soon as things clear keep get on my email list keep watching sandraringerman.com and uh, there'll be beautiful offerings. But all my teachers right now, there are hundreds of them who are doing brilliant, successful, free journey groups right now. And we have that list. So um, check out sandraingerman.com and shamanicteachers.com. Okay, wonderful. And I'll add all of those to my show notes. Thank you again, Sandra Ingerman. You are a blessing to this world. I have just enjoyed every minute of this conversation. And I'd love to just end by saying, may you walk in beauty. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. Blessings. Stay safe. Blessings. Mm, Thank you. Hi, friend. If you enjoyed this episode with Sandra Ingerman, I would so appreciate it if you could share it with a friend who might be interested or share it on social media, or if you feel inspired to subscribe to the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts 
or write a review on iTunes. All of these things would really help me reach a wider audience. And if we're not yet connected on social media, please send me a message. My primary platform is Instagram and my account is at D. And I would love to connect with you there. And I'm leaving you off with this song, Beautiful Bird by Annie Mae Willis and Aya Luz. Enjoy. This is your life, this is your life, so...